You know, today is Palm Sunday. We established that. Next Sunday we established is Easter Sunday. The bottom line is without Easter Sunday, everything that we're doing is nothing more than fulfilling a fantasy. If Easter did not take place, then we're wasting a whole lot of our time. But the reality is, it did happen. Jesus said, I am the Son of God. In Luke 19, he said, he said, I've come to seek and to save that which is what? Lost. Let's do it again. I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's what the Son of Man came to do. Well, wasn't that fast on the pulpit? Two men in a pulpit. I'd go, go hire them, my friend. It's really good. Quick, lightning speed. But the bottom line is, people are offended by the word lost. And you think about that for a moment. Well, what is lost? Well, if you look at anything through a perspective of negativity, what you're going to find just that is negative behavior, negative influence, negative opinion. But it can be positive. There is a line to a song. I'm going to give it to you now. You can name that tune. Here we go. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Name that tune. Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Now, lost implies value. Lost implies value. Let me give you this perspective. For example, uh, if you lost your credit card, most of you would say, I need to find that credit card. Right after you called the issuer of your credit card and canned it out, canceled it out. I lost my credit card. You'd hunt and hunt. Or how about your wife's wedding ring with a diamond in it? It's lost. You would tear the house apart trying to find that wedding band. Here's the problem. If you get way too old, the wedding man might still be on her finger. You just didn't see it. Here's something else you might lose and want to look for. It might be a $100 bill. A $100 bill. You say, you know what? I know that I had a $100 bill. How many of you young people say, I think I'd look to find a $100 bill? You out there? Sure you would. Or, or here's another, here's another. What if you lost one of your kids? You'd pray about God. The husband might say, sweetheart, <laughs> he's from your side of the family. And I still think we ought to try to find him. We don't, we don't want to lose one of our kids. Anybody say amen? So here we go. When we are lost... Without redemption, I'm not talking religion, I'm talking relationship. When you are lost, you are disconnected from God. God is your redeemer. He's your creator. He's not just your friend. He is the one that died on the cross of Calvary. He's super serious about that. But Satan can deceive you and make you believe in a whole bunch of religion as opposed to relationship. And when you're lost without God, you have diverted God's plan. God had a plan since the beginning of the foundation of the earth just for your life. And yet here's what we find out. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of what? The, you're the smartest congregation in the world. 
You know, you just know the answers. Does it help that we have the words on the screen up there? I could have passed every test I ever took if I had the answers. We've all come short of the glory of the Lord. And then he goes on. Here it is now. All like sheep, we have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own what? We've all, like sheep, gone astray. We've all turned. But you see, most of you in here, like me, you like what you like. How many of you do not like to have your own way? Seeing no hands, I'm assumed that we're all in the same boat. Meaning that we all like to have our way. How many of you get your way most of the time? I don't see many men raising their hand. Those that are, are faking it. Because I know their spouse. Now you think about it. All we like sheep have gone away or gone astray. And we've gone what? Our own way. Why? Because of sin. Because of the power of darkness. You know what we did? We follow our own impulse, our own rebellion, our own pride. And the effects of being spiritually lost. And you don't know that you know that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's this. Eternity and death has its grip on you. I mean, eternity has its grip on you. I, I read a story, or Sharon was reading me a story of, a, of an individual recently that just, uh, they were doing, as a matter of fact, they were doing a mic check, a sound check for a worship service. Bam, died right there. No warning, not after the mic check. Doing the mic check, fell dead. You know what happens? If you're lost, you are lost. No hope for tomorrow. And when we are found in the grips of darkness and we're lost spiritually, then, friend, we've lost our freedom, our dignity, our confidence. But when we're connected to God, we have a relationship, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nine out of ten Muslims do not have a relationship with Almighty God. They have a relationship with a false idol, a false God. And so the message today will help us understand what it means to have a Palm Sunday and to have an Easter Sunday. Now, Jesus did three things as he traveled around in the three prominent years of his ministry. Number one, he preached everywhere he went. Number two, he taught. He was teaching. And number three, he was healing. He healed the sick. He taught those. He preached to them. One-third of the ministry... One-third of the ministry of Jesus during that three years was not just about being a Savior and a Redeemer. It was a healer. By His stripes, He said, we are, are healed. You can go into every country today you choose. If they have a hospital that's there and they have a school, it's because in many countries that hospital and that school was started by a Christian missionary. Why? Because it was a part of the message of Jesus Christ to heal the sick. There's what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind, and your strength. What does it mean? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, we are to love God. 
I thought, man, we just we get into the worship. Did you notice that? You know, I, I noticed the worship. And, and Ben is our guest worship leader today. And boy, I, I appreciate anybody that can get excited and get us into worship. Hello? I love that. Rather than, would you stand please? Oh, Lord, we praise you. Here's what Jesus said. Here we go. He came to heal those who've lost their health. That's point number one. Matthew 4, here we go. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to him all who were ill and various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And what did he do? And he what? He healed them. He healed them. Well, let's take a look at one. We got the leper, right? Leper in Matthew or Mark 1, verse 40. And the man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with what? Compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. That's all there is to it. So we have this man in Jesus' day. Leprosy was known as terminal. Leprosy killed the soul. It not only killed the soul, it killed the body. What do you mean by it killed the soul? It, it was a, a signal of inward failure. They thought, hey, if you got leprosy here on the outside, it's a sign you got leprosy on the inside. God's judgment is upon you. You haven't done right. You have done so many wrong things. God has stricken you with leprosy. And you could not get near one. You could not touch one. If you were a leper, you got to cry out, unclean, unclean. You tear your clothes up. As a matter of fact, every time I see a pair of holy jeans today, and know the people bought them with the holes in it on purpose. It was a sign of leprosy. Oh, but today if you got holes in your jeans, that's a sign of affluence. I got holy ones. And guys like me walk by with no holes, I'm out of market. Leprosy. Why? The lepers could hear no encouragement. They could get no attaboy. Get away from me, you leper. It created misery in their soul, in their emotion, in their mind. Many became lunatics because of the lack of that touch, the lack of appreciation, and the torment would cause them to, to gain no hope. And they would just give up and say, I'm better dead. No one touched them. And the law said, if you touch the leper, that if you touch the leper, you were now unclean. Two things are going to happen to you. You're going to get whipped or you're going to be stoned because you could spread it to someone else. Leprosy was a, a death sentence. They not only were rejected by people, but they said they're rejected by God. So this leper on his hands and knees crawls up to Jesus. He shouldn't be there. 
Jesus would have had to walk close to him and say, get back from me, you leper. But on his knees, he said, if you will, you can heal me. That sick, diseased leper had a truth that came from the heart of God. He saw the healer before anyone else. Let me say this to you often in your miserable moment, in your worst time, in your most challenging time, when they're hitting you from the right and the left, when disappointments are all around you, when tears roll down your cheeks all the time, don't take those things away so quickly because it's during those times you can have a better vantage point of seeing Jesus through your pain than most people in great, great health. What did Jesus do? Mark 1:41, filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Whoa, Jesus did the unthinkable thing. The Pharisees said he touched the leper. Two things, only two options. One, Jesus himself would become unclean and they'd have to stone him. Or beat him unless the man was absolutely healed. Woo! That leprosy disappeared. Did you see it? It's gone. That's what salvation and redemption is. I bring to Jesus my sickness, my uncleanness, and he speaks into my life, and he touches me, and he said, now be clean by the grace of God. That's the power of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Come on, put your hands together. Two options filled with compassion, and this is the challenge of the church today. You know, many people, many churches don't believe in the healing virtue of Jesus Christ. But the reality is the church still needs to believe that one of the principal truths of the church is Jesus healed. And the church needs to be in the process of the healing business. Jesus can heal you. And when the church is willing to touch people that need to be healed, you'll see miracles. Do we believe the power of healing and the power of deliverance is available today? I say yay and amen. You've heard me say my first, our first pastor down in Bradenton. You've heard me say it, summer here, new summer, listening online. A couple, he was a sergeant in the Bradenton Police Department. Called me up on a Saturday rainy night and said, our baby, our adopted baby after 10 years of trying to have a child, the baby has a high, high fever. We're nervous. We need you to come. I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. You're the pastor. I got in the car. I thought, oh, Lord, I don't even have any oil. You're supposed to put oil on them. I got there, they're nervous, they're frantic. They brought that baby right to me, put him in my arms, and I said, oh God, I need help. The sergeant of the police department was a preacher's kid. He knew I ought to have oil. Pastor, did you bring some oil? I don't even have any oil. 
I got plenty of oil today, friend. I said, I didn't have any available. <laughs> I said, do you have any Crisco oil? Sure do. I said, bring it. Amen. You got to be creative in the ministry, friend. I took that Crisco oil, put it on that baby's head. I said, now I'm supposed to pray. I'm the preacher. I prayed the best prayer I knew how to pray. Saying, God, this man's a sergeant. He wears a pistol. This is his baby. Ten years they've tried, and now here he is, adopted, precious little guy. Oh, Lord, do something now. I'm sweating. I was way past perspiration. And I prayed that prayer in 10 minutes, 10 minutes, that they baby began to perspire. And then mom came over, touched that baby's head. She said, it's gone. His fever is gone. Amen. I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, friend, we're not serving some figment of our imagination. We are serving Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who by His stripes we are healed. And when we call on His name, He will answer our prayer and bring to pass His healing virtue. Amen? So here's what, in my study and preparation for the message, the Lord, I believe, told me what to do. I'm going to pray right now. I want to pray right now, James 5, 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has sin, he will be forgiven. If you have a need, those of you at home, those of you here, you have a need that you need God to bring healing, you know of someone who needs healing, right now we're going to pray, and I'm going to believe. There's healing in the house. You need that prayer. Raise your hand and write back down right now. Here we go. Father God, you gave me this. You placed this in my heart. I bind the lie of disease. I bind the lie of affliction. I bind the desire and everything in us that would create riotous, whether it's arthritis, any other riotous, God, I pray that you would minister and bring healing. I pray if it's a broken heart, you would bring healing. I pray if it's a spirit of disappointment, I pray you'd bring healing. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, we know nothing is impossible with you. I pray you'd take that fevered brow, God, and I pray you would bring healing. I pray you'd take that worry, that misunderstanding, and I pray you would bring healing. I pray that rebellion, I pray you would bring healing. God, I pray in the name of the Lord, because I know the stripes on the back of my Savior were not just there for public display. Display. It was because my Savior said, it is by my stripes you are healed. And Lord, you healed that leper. You've healed me. You healed that baby. And you've healed thousands here at Victory Church. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. And we declare it right now. Amen and amen. One more time, let's give him a clap offering. We pray. We believe God. Number two, Jesus came to liberate those who've lost their freedom. 
What do you mean by that? His ministry, we know that Jesus traveled consistently. He was traveling on the Sabbath. He found a synagogue. In the synagogue, when he showed up, because his name was everywhere, they would ask him as a visiting rabbi to offer an address. And we know, we know at that point in time, we see because in the Gospel of Luke, it says that Jesus was traveling and he went into the synagogue that he was at and they said, we'd like for you to say a few words. He turned to the attendant and he said, do you have the sacred scroll? The attendant said, I do. Jesus said, give me the scroll. He opened it up and it was Isaiah's prophecy as recorded in Luke 4, 18 through 21. You don't have to wait to get excited about this. It'll come in a moment. Jesus opened the scroll up. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery to the side of the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled it up. And gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue, they were fastened on him and wondering, what is he going to say? He said, today, in your presence, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Ooh, hallelujah. They had no idea that is the Messiah. Today, this scripture out of the prophecy of Isaiah, what does that mean? It means the year of Jubilee. Let's put it together. The year of Jubilee, of course, every year the year of Jubilee was proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor. Every 50 years, all debts were forgiven. All slaves were set free. The land was given a break. No, no cultivation, no planning. And friend, not only that, all possessions were returned to the original owner. It was called the year of Jubilee. It was the year of deliverance and liberation. And the prophet Isaiah saying, there is going to be one, his name, hallelujah, going to be one who is going to come, the Messiah. And when he comes, he will liberate you from your bondage. He'll liberate you from your death. He'll liberate you from your disease. Come on, church, shout, and amen. The Messiah is here by the grace of God. Jesus said, in your presence is the answer to the damnation and the hold of death that is on you. Hallelujah. Because of Christ, he found you and has redeemed you from your sin. Here's an illustration. Remember the guy had four friends? He was a paralytic. He's on a stretcher. They couldn't get to Jesus. It's found in Luke 5. They were innovative. They'd watched the Discovery Channel. They got to the house and somebody said, tear the roof open. They tore it open, lowered the man, smack dab, that's Greek for right beside. Smack dab beside Jesus. Here's the paralytic on the stretcher right beside Jesus. Pharisees thought, what in the world is happening? Great day unbelievable <laughs> Jesus 
says, which is easier to say? He didn't mess around and say, how was dinner last night? How'd you sleep good? You know, was it a good journey over here? They take him. No, sir. He said, which is easier to say? He's saying this for the Pharisees. Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man, who is he? The Son of Man, who is the Son of God, that you will know has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus said to the paralyzed man, get up, take up your mat, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of everyone and took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. Can you see the shock on the faces of the Pharisees when they saw that? It's important to remember that Jesus did two things in this illustration. One, he liberated this man from his sin by saying, your sins are forgiven. Liberation, number one. Then he went a step further and saying he liberated him from his physical limitation. And then he said, get up, son, pick up your mat and get out of here. And when you're liberated, you have to let it go if you're going to make forward progress. He said, I'm forgiven. And if I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. And he said, get up. There had to be a moment when that paralyzed man, when he said, get up, he said, I'm beginning to feel a tingle in my toe. Oh, Lord, my legs are beginning to move. I, I feel action in my back, praise God. He got up. Let me tell you, you know what the commentary said? He jumped straight up. I want you to know our God does not play around. When he liberates you, he gives you freedom to be everything that you need to make unbelievable let me give you an illustration if I might how many's ever been to the circus how many's never been to the circus we have an older crowd how many don't remember that you were at the circus How many has ever seen a trapeze artist at work on the Discovery Channel? So I want to give you this picture over here, way up there, way up there. You got a guy on a stand hanging on to a pole. He's got a rope. He's going to swing across. Y'all see him? Could be a her too. Swings across. Somebody's over there, right up where that preacher is. He's got another rope. You see it? Now, this guy's swinging. Now, about right here, this guy takes the empty rope and sends it in his direction. And when he gets up here, he connects with the rope sent from here. And what does he do? He grab y'all never been to the circus. I was surprised. He grabs that rope. And what does he do? He lets go of this rope. And he goes right up to that platform. Did y'all see it? Y'all saw it, right? 
Sure. But you know what we Christians do? We Christians say, okay, God, I'm liberated. And we swing out. And the other rope comes down. And we grab it. But you know what we fail to do? We don't let go of the other rope. We like hanging on to our sin. We like hanging on to the memory. We like hanging on to the bitterness. We like hanging on to the griping. We like hanging on to the unforgiveness. We like hanging on to the hurt. And here's what you know. When you do not let go after you've been liberated, you are dead in midair and God can do nothing. But when you let go of that rope and you take that one, God will take you to a level that you would have never made it to. I'm trying to warm up for Easter. <laughs> he takes you there. It's how it works. There's no wonder people shout during praise and worship when you think about how much you've been liberated. No wonder that takes place. Number three, Jesus came to forgive those who've lost their dignity. Dignity, dignity dog. <laughs> dignity. Dignity, what is that self-worth? Dignity said, hey, I'm, I'm not everything I ought to be, but I am somebody, and I have dignity. I've made mistakes, but buddy, I've tried to make it right. Human beings are like anything else in creation. You see, we were given a special dignity. Dignity more than anything that you and I could call out no ant has ever had dignity. No cow has ever had dignity. No horse, no pig, no dog, nothing. Why? Because you and I are the only ones, the only one created in the image of God. Created in the image of God, that's who you are. So we have dignity because of that creation created in, in God's image. Dogs don't have freedom to choose. We do because we have dignity. They go by their instincts. We have freedom to make choices. You're never going to see a bird come into church and pray. You're never going to see a cow hopefully walk down the center aisle. Why? Because they weren't made in God's image. When you come together at the appointed time and begin to worship, what you're doing is the image in you of Almighty God transcends all bearers into the holy presence of God. And it brings pleasure to the one who created you and gives him honor and gives him glory. It was David that wrote in Psalms 8 verse 5, you God crowned us with glory and honor. You crowned us with glory and honor, which means God gave us great Dignity, everything on the planet is broken. We know that. Once sin entered into the world, we began to make bad choices. The sin created guilt and regret. We've all been there, shame. It's not, not often you feel good after sinning, after making a mistake, after, after doing something you know you shouldn't do it. Adam and Eve's the one that sold us short. God said, you can have anything here except that tree. It was like don't touch wet paint. They just had to have it. And they did. Sin came in and robbed us of that dignity, that self-respect. Genesis 3, 7, at that moment of their sin, their eyes were opened 
and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they strung fig leaves together to cover themselves. They were attempting to cover up what they had done wrong. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of that day. They were, they were the Bible scholars. They did not understand what was going on in their midst. And they could not understand Jesus. They hated him. They despised him. So what did they do? They thought, we're going to catch him. So here's what they did. John 8, 3. Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery to Jesus. And they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? You ever thought about, well, where was the man? It took two to tango. Amen? Where was he at? He didn't matter. Pharisees didn't care. They just wanted to bring the woman because they wanted to trap Jesus. You can't. Yes, you are. You can't trap Jesus. You can't do it. What did Jesus do? Oh, well, he knelt down and began to just stir the dirt a little. Some would call it doodle. No doubt thought about it. He already knew what he was going to say. The woman's there. She's in tears. She's dirty. She's nasty. She knows what's about to come. Jesus stands up after doodling a little bit. He said to them, if any of you are without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Go ahead. And again, he stooped back down and he started writing on the ground at this. Those who heard began to go away one at a time. Notice this. What's to say? The older ones first. Why? You want to know what I believe? As good as any. I need one amen to come forth. Thank you. That's enough. I think he knelt back down. I think he looked at that old codger. And he broke a liar, adulterer, thief. The old codger looked down and thought, man, let me get. He, he's revealing my sins. He's writing them out. I better get out of here. The, he looked at the other old one. He said, come down here. You jerk. You liar. You wife swapper. You're hateful, stubborn. He, he, he's gone. How about you? Come and, and he began to write. So, so just stay with me. And he begins to write all of their sins until they realize, I better leave. Got to one of the younger ones, the last one. Smart mouth disrespectful, lawbreaker, well, gone. The lady can hear, and she heard the footsteps, and they left. And there's no one now left. 
he says to her, Anybody else here? No. Nobody's left. But listen carefully. I don't need to write your sin down. You know what was wrong. I'm telling you. I'm giving your dignity back. You get up, go your way. And sin no more. Do you know what? All the things that you've ever done, all the challenges that you've ever done, all the sin you've ever committed as late as yesterday or this morning. If you've said, Jesus, forgive me, he said, hey, here's your dignity. You won't have to worry about him writing them up on the screen. Because when he forgives you, he forgets them. Somebody glad, say amen. amen. He forgets them. The church is the institution, unfortunately, that often remembers people's misgiving, missteps, and sins. Well, I got a divorce, but some of the church still oh, they're divorced. Somebody left them, and you look, and we, we don't forgive them. You know what he's saying? He's talking to us. The, that person that I've set free is free indeed. On don't you come fishing around trying to throw them back into that mud hole when you have a ton of mud on yourself. I said, I'm praying about it this morning, and I thought, and I, I did. One of the persons it's hard for the charismatic Pentecostal churches to forgive is Jimmy Swaggart. Many love his music. Uh, Jimmy Swaggart, I don't even listen to him anymore. That's your choice. But who in the world are we to ever judge anybody? Michael Jackson, my Lord of mercy. Do you know the struggles he went through? Do you know how many people passed him by and failed to say, let me pray for you? Judgment's going to be on the house of God. Easter's going to come and it's going to go, the Lord willing. And there'll be people that none of us invited miss their opportunity to be liberated. So Jesus said the worst thing that could happen in the public arena is for this woman. Do you think she got up and said, I'm moving to another town? Do you know what that would have meant? She swung out on this rope and swung out and got a new rope but couldn't let go of the fact that people are going to talk about me. People are going to damn me. But isn't it wonderful that in Jesus' book she could easily let go of that rope and take that new rope to higher levels and say, if you've got a problem with me, 
you got a problem with my Savior. Come on, y'all. You know I'm talking yard talk. Here we go. Let's stand together. I was going to tell you the last one. But you're standing. It's Matthew. Jesus walking down the road. Tax collectors were hated because they would rip you off in a heartbeat. The Roman government had a percentage, let's say it was 50%. Tax collector could add any percentage onto that that he wanted to. And it would be a legitimate tax. He'd look at you and say, you know what? I like that, guys. So I'm just going to add 10%. But that guy right there, I don't like. He owns a pizza shop down there. I went in the other day and didn't have a mask on. They told me to get out of the pizza shop. Now I'm going to add about 40% onto his taxes. They were hated. <laughs> Jesus walks by and said, here's Matthew. Matthew, come follow me. Do you believe what he just did? One of the most hated men of the community, he says, come follow me. He said, Matthew, I want to come to your house for dinner. Well, listen, Jesus, I don't have any friends. i got tax collector friends, but everybody else hates me. So it'll be a short list. I'm going with you. Other tax collectors, other sinners were there. Jesus went and sat down. Pharisees stood outside. Oh, they're so mad. They're so upset. Jesus loved to twist their minds. They can't understand it. But when Jesus said, Matthew, you come go with me, you know what the Bible says? Matthew left his post and followed Jesus. Friend, we have every reason to shout, to turn inside out with praise and celebration because we have been redeemed only because of the grace of the living God. Amen? Let's pause for a moment. Let's ask. After I say a prayer, would you repeat it? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. I now confess to you that I have sinned. I've made mistakes. I purposely have walked over the commandments. I've been rebellious, but here I am today. I've humbled my heart because I remember I don't owe you anything because you paid it all. Would you forgive me? Would you minister into my life? Would you transform me? Let me be a light in the darkness. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you at home, you prayed that prayer. You've been redeemed. It's the year of Jubilee. Amen. He's delivered you. He's, uh, he's swing on out. Let go of the rope. Don't let others condemn you, put you in a corner, make you feel like a second-class citizen. You hear? Don't let them do it. Pray for them. And take hold of that other rope and swing on up. Amen. That's a place they will never get to by the grace of a living God. 
If you need prayer this morning, you say, God, I've blown it, or you need physical prayer. The Bible said two or three agree together. They're going to anoint you. I can't make you come, but what I can tell you is the Redeemer in your hearing is the Messiah when he read that scroll. In this room now is your Redeemer, your healer, and your soon coming King. Amen. You can respond. They're going to lead worship a little bit. If you need prayer, you come on down. If not, you're welcome to slip out. Love you, everybody. Let's be busy for Easter. God bless.